Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 26 of the Sports Nuts and Beer Guts podcast. I'm your host, Logan Bryant. We got the usual crowd with us. Half of the usual crowd. Chris Collette's coming to us from uh, tornado-stricken Middle Tennessee. Chris, you still surviving? I am surviving. Pretty good. And then out of the bunker, out of his mama's basement, out of the Wendy's dumpster, we're bringing Cole Huffman. Cole, refer, how goes it? Refer to me as the Connor McGregor of podcasts, please. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Mr. Connor McGregor, welcome to episode 26. You've been around the Sports Nuts and Beer Guts pod for a while, but Chris and I decided when, we're bring, when we bring somebody new on this podcast, we need to start the episode with a little get to know you segment. So Cole, you are currently wearing a robe, uh, nine o'clock on a Wednesday night. Um, so Chris and I are going to ask you a couple rapid fire questions. First thing that comes to your head. We need to answer. We need it on the spot. Are you ready? Have the edit button ready. <laughs> <laughs> this is a podcast. There's no dump button on this one. <laughs> All right, Cole, state um, your, State your full name for us. Uh, Christopher Cole with a C Huffman. And your favorite beer. I'm in that stage of life where probably Mick ultra. <laughs> but if I'm, if I'm feeling like getting after it, uh, I'd say, um, cougar bait. Oh, big fan of cougar bait. Now, Cole, remember this is uh this is rapid fire here. We're going to try to speed the, uh, the, uh, the thought process up a little bit. As you said, I am wearing a robe. <laughs> <laughs> I got baby Yoda over here. Rapid Cole, as I get. What's your favorite wrestling finishing move? Stone Cold Stunner. Chris, you got some questions for Cole? Yeah. Um, Cole, who is your favorite wrestler not named Kurt Angle or Ric Flair? Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold! Stone Cold! <laughs> Cole, what's your favorite Tyler Childers song? Feathered Indians. Nope. No, I'm sorry. I take that back. Universal Sound. Oh, good one. Um, Cole, favorite state you lived in? The great state of Tennessee. Good answer. Your most memorable Valentine's Day present, either given or received? I can't think of one. Oh, poor guy. Yeah, nothing you know memorable, really. Um, doing something pretty cool this year. Would you like me to share that right now? Sure. Go we're for going, it. We're going to go to Waffle House. Instead of spending money on each other, <laughs> we're going to give the waiter or waitress a big tip, whatever we would have spent on each other as we enjoy just, our... Just the tip? <laughs> just... <laughs> Moving on, next question. Um, favorite um, memory with all of us at Johnson? Favorite memory with all you guys at Johnson? I would have to say, honestly, one of the funnest times that I had... Recently would probably be floating the Little Pigeon River down there in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Cole, something you're better at than me and Chris. <laughs> it would take him a while to think of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, something. Hitting the fastball. Oh, I would disagree, but whatever. We can, we, we can check that out in a couple of weeks if you want. Oh, oh okay. There's got to be um, some, some book out there somewhere, uh, Some some stat sheet from the college baseball days we can look at let's uh let's go with favorite athletic event you've attended that would have been back in college probably 2005 i want to say it was myself chris lawson one other individual i don't even remember who the guy was couldn't remember his name if you ask me 
We went down to Neyland Stadium right after the uh, Florida UT game began and got tickets um, for about 50 bucks a pop. Um, sold out crowd. I want to say this might have been the last time Tennessee beat Florida. It was a 52-yard field goal. Pretty sure they um, beat them since then. I'm sure maybe once or twice, but this was the like the last great game at Neyland that I ever went to. It was my first game. Uh, no game I ever went to after that at Neyland Stadium topped it. Um, field goal to win the game with the clock going to zero. It was tremendous. That people was probably the James Bohoit field goal. Right. I, I want to say that was probably it. Um, I had people hugging me and high-fiving me that I didn't even know, and people were just – I mean, it was incredible. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's Cole Huffman. He resides in Roanoke, Virginia. Um, he is bald but has a massive beard. He's our resident wrestling aficionado. He knows what's up when it comes to the, the men in tights on the mat. But we brought Cole in because we're going to recap a little little Super Bowl action, guys. Let's start off here by making sense of of the big game. <clears throat> um, I don't know if you guys saw, but the numbers came out. 148 million Americans watched the Super Bowl. Why is that of note? Well, 138 million Americans voted in the last presidential election. Um, so the, the Super Bowl is the big game. All eyes were on it. Some on the game. Few more, few less on the halftime show, and then the commercials kind of interspersed. Chris, what was your big takeaway from from Super Bowl? Uh, my biggest takeaway is the more aggressive coach won. Uh, something I really like to see. Um, There's a couple times in the first half where it was fourth and less than five, and Andy Reid went for it. And there was a couple times also where it was fourth and five, and the 49ers kicked field goals. Um, also, had no clue what the hell Kyle Shanahan was doing um, at the end of the first half. Um, he literally let 40 seconds just run off the clock and essentially ended the half. Uh, I thought that was a terrible pass interference call uh, that would have gave the 49ers a field goal. Oh, the one on Kittle. But, yeah, the Kittle. I mean, I don't know any difference in the Kittle one and the one with Rudolph against the Saints. Uh, they were basically identical. I, I didn't think it was pass interference. My thing is, as long as it's not blatant, I'm not throwing a flag. Uh, as far as the game goes, the, the first uh, three quarters, they, they just kind of flowed together. I didn't really – it wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It was just whatever. Uh, the fourth quarter, I thought it got good, and I was just like, man, this is what I this is what I came here to watch. So, <laughs> The fourth all, quarter – Good Super Bowl. Fourth quarter, 21 nothing Chiefs. 49ers could not do anything, could not move the chains, could not get the ball in the end zone. Cole, I don't know if you're a big Kyle Shanahan guy, but this is the same guy as the offensive coordinator um, for the Falcons when they lost a 28-3 lead to the Patriots. Is this Super Bowl in that game, is this something that's going to haunt Kyle Shanahan forever? I mean, I think he's making a reputation for himself. Obviously, if somebody can't get the job done. Uh, what I took away ultimately from the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes, I think when it's said and done with his career, he has obviously the potential to be one of the top best quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. And I'm going to say Jimmy G, probably not even going to be a starter after two more seasons. <laughs> oh, have you heard the rumors that the Patriots um, may be looking to just swap Brady for Jimmy G straight up? I have not heard that. That's well, I heard Tom Brady is going to the Raiders. <laughs> that would be a weird one. That would be. Guys, speaking of Mahomes, this has nothing to do with the Super Bowl game, uh, but a little little life that I need you guys to to help me out with. 
So I decided to wear a Kansas City jersey to church on Sunday before the big game. And that, you know, several people walk up, give me high fives, go Chiefs. Um, several people, you know, can't believe you're cheering for them. Go 49ers. And then I had one older guy walk up to me, who shall remain nameless, and say, hey, you a big Mahomes guy? And I said, sure, I like Mahomes. I said, did you read his biography? The guy's probably 23, 24, didn't know they wrote a biography about him yet. But I was like, no, why? Oh, man, I just got finished with it. Did you know he went straight from high school to the NFL? No college experience. Now, guys. Are you you serious? (laughs) I'm dead serious. At this point in church on a Sunday morning. Was this like an onion onion biography that he was reading? Was I? Do I have the, as the host of the Sports Nuts and Beer Guts podcast, do I have the contractual, uh, my contracted to explain to this guy that he is wrong? Or do I do the, do the nice thing and just say, yeah, he's, he's, he's awesome. He's great. Cole, what do you do in this situation? Old dude tells you something that's clearly not true. If it's an old dude that tells you that, you let it ride. Smile and wave. <laughs> if it's someone closer to our age that says that, you need to correct them so they don't sound like an idiot talking to other people. Because <laughs> that was my fear is he's going to go to some Super Bowl party and tell everybody about this quarterback who skipped high school or skipped college. But I didn't have the heart to explain to him, hey, man, I don't know what biography you read. Are you sure that wasn't about Kobe Bryant and not Patrick Mahomes? Um, oh, man. Because he may have got him confused. So if anybody's got a better response, hit us up on that Facebook page, on the Twitter. Um, I thought the game was, the overall game was good. Um, it was similar to some of these Patriot games, though. You kind of saw the end coming before, well before it got there. Uh, when the Chiefs started rolling, 49ers weren't going to stop them, and they they weren't going to put up much of a fight there at the end of the game. Um, but I did think it was a good game. It stayed close throughout. Um you know, you had one big 44-yard play there. Um, you know, Hickman decided to take this week off because Sammy Watkins, believe it or not, did not win the MVP <laughs> as he was so confident in, in that bet there. Um, <laughs> for some reason, every time Sammy Watkins caught a, caught a pass, text would uh, come flying my way. MVP! MVP! My way too, unfortunately. Yeah. And, like, guys, he could catch 30 and. Mahomes is going to end up being the Super Bowl MVP. I mean, we can all agree Damian Williams probably deserved to be the MVP. I completely agree with that. He pretty much got Mahomes through that game in a lot of ways. And, uh, yeah, Mahomes still won. So there was no scenario if the Chiefs won, anybody but Mahomes was winning. Yeah. But, guys, the biggest conversation post-Super Bowl seems to be from the uh, the people, people on the Facebooks. The halftime show – Got some strong opinions. Chris, what was your first thought as that halftime show was underway? Um, I was a fan. I that's my opinion. It was um I kind of like Shakira. She's like a guilty pleasure kind of like uh music like mu- music stuff. Uh so I was okay <laughs> with Shakira. J Lo, I, I I'm sorry. She's she's been completely irrelevant as far as music goes, I think my whole life. Uh, I don't know when she was ever relevant musically, to be honest. So her, I was like, whatever. And the lack of clothing, um, yeah, no problem with it. <laughs> Bring it on. 
I, I think I'm with you on the whole Shakira and J-Lo thing. I, I mean, when they said she was doing it, I don't know if I can even now name a J-Lo song. Um, I just don't. And Shakira... Jenny from the block. Well, I know she did that one, but I, I don't know what year that was popular, but... That's the um, one. <laughs> that's her one. Um, but Shakira did the theme song to Zootopia. And so my kids would get on YouTube and say, hey, we want the Zootopia song. And so we'd play it. But then it would just be on a loop of Shakira songs to which I would have to stop abruptly because, guys, evidently Shakira's been doing this her whole career, dancing with very little clothes on and provocative moves. Um, this seems to, be, seems to be her M.O. Cole, so I yeah. knew Shakira. I knew J.Lo. Who were those other random dudes that were... So apparently the young man that jumped up on the stage in the white that looked like he was the guy that was in Borat dressed up for that one movie. <laughs> he is a Hispanic rapper that is in, or Puerto Rican rapper who is in a lot of JLo's previous music videos. Apparently is what I was okay. told. Hmm. Um, you know where I stand with it. It's not shocking. Like, like you said, these two young ladies did what brought them to the dance in the first place, what they've been doing for the past 25 years. As I said, young yeah. ladies, they're not that young anymore. <laughs> but, I mean, their lyrical talent is tremendous. Sorry, what the guys. hell are you talking about? Right here? <laughs> no, just just like, replace lyrics. The, the best meme that I saw was a guy said that Shakira has more control over her butt than he does of his life. And I thought that was, I thought that was pretty good. But but all in all, like I did go back and watch it right before the podcast because you asked who who do I not want to listen to this podcast? One maybe be my mom, but she's gonna listen because I told her we were talking about the halftime show. Mom did not approve of the halftime show and wanted to know what I thought of it. So I went back and watched the 14 minutes of, of it. And the point that it got, I think, too far for some people's liking was J Lo when she was sliding down the pole when they were getting her down, they had her under her knees and right under her butt, and she just left a lot open. And I think that was a little bit too much where I would get uncomfortable watching that with my family in the room. Um, but where I am with it, like I said, it's not shocking what they did. They've been doing it for years. And I thought it was a very entertaining halftime show. A lot of people were um, talking about Shakira's uh, tongue thing that she did during the show, which is actually part of her. Um, it said it's part of her culture of the Arab culture. It's a it's something that women do to express extreme joy um, when something good happens um, in, in their culture. And that was her just giving a shout out and a nod to that part of her, um, her family. Yeah. And they both did that. I mean, they both tried to, you know, different dance moves and stuff, um, make a nod to, you know, their, their culture, um, historical dances and stuff where they're from all that good stuff. Um, and the fact I, that you have the cheerleaders on the sidelines, every game that are usually doing some suggestive moves as well, I believe is one point some people were trying to make, which the, the cameras are hardly ever on them. We should have called AWOL's wife to, to weigh in on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with Cole. I don't, the the shock value, the surprise, you know, granted, I'm sure people didn't expect, unless this is something J-Lo always does, bring out the old stripper pole out there um, for the halftime show. Snoop Dogg approves. <laughs> the best Snoop part Dog. was J-Lo or um, Shakira on the drums and the electric guitar. <laughs> just wailing away at nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I mean, to be fair, I didn't know most of the songs. Um, yeah. I, I remember the Shakira Waka Waka song from the world cup several years ago, but 
I didn't know most songs, but to be fair, I'm not a music guy. I don't know most of the songs that most people play up for the halftime show. Uh, the halftime show for me, no matter who it is, unless it's basically Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff, is going to be the time for me to restock on wings, grab me a new beverage. Um, probably a good time to tuck the kids into bed so I can get ready for a second half. How uh, is Pitbull not in part of the halftime show with it being in Miami. Like somebody must have hit him with a tranquilizer dart right before the halftime show because something kept him from getting on that stage. <laughs> he was built for that moment. My yeah, it's his town. So Chris, we basically break down the Super Bowl into the game, the halftime show, and the commercials. Any yeah. uh any thoughts on the commercials overwhelmingly pro or con? Um I I really didn't notice any commercials. Um I'm not one to watch commercials normally. I mean, if the commercial comes on TV, I'm turning the channel to something else to pass two minutes of my time. Um, my TV didn't change channels the whole time. And I don't, I couldn't say I remember a single commercial that happened. I wasn't really paying attention. Um, the people that like force everybody in the room to be quiet and stay still during commercials, <laughs> they're the worst people known to mankind. Um, not a fan of watching the Super Bowl with those people. Um, I I don't know. I didn't notice any of them, so that doesn't really uh, speak highly, I guess. They didn't catch my attention, so they were kind of whatever. They were blah. Yeah, I seem to miss the, a bunch of the ones people were talking about, but I'm like, Chris, I don't always focus on it. Um, but I did see a lot of people, especially on Twitter, kind of questioning, like, at what point do companies just quit paying these ridiculous prices for, for Super Bowl commercials? Because, I mean... You got like you, like Chris said, you're not just gonna sit there and be quiet the whole game, you know, for four hours. You got to get up and do stuff. Cole, any of these commercials stand out to you? I mean, there were a few that I really liked, but to your point first, what you what you said about paying this so much money to have this this ad time. Um, I was going through Facebook. I think it was the day before the Super Bowl or early that morning, and it was like, here are all the Super Bowl commercials you need to see before the Super Bowl even aired. <laughs> so I'd already seen like seven of the commercials that were probably some of the better ones. Uh, the one that I did like um, that was actually on during the Super Bowl that I hadn't already seen, I enjoyed the uh, the Alexa with Ellen DeGeneres talking about what do we do before Alexa. Actually, I, I knew that was a good commercial because I made, and I was that person in the room, I actually made everybody back it up so I could see what it was about because <laughs> it was pretty creative. Um, one thing that we were talking about earlier, I think any political ad should be outlawed during the Super Bowl because <laughs> nothing like having a bunch of people over at your house. Everybody's pretty much in a food coma. Everybody's there because they like food, commercials, and football, but they might have different political views. I was in here loading up on some little smoky sausages, and I just heard the living room get eerily quiet. My buddy John walks in and is like, dude, we should not have political commercials during the Super Bowl. And it was a good, like, I mean, it, the air was just kind of awkward for just a little bit. That is pretty brilliant. Uh, so, speaking of Little Smokies, my wife has started making them where she wraps bacon around them. Oh, that's what I made with, for the Super Bowl. With, with some brown sugar? With some yes. brown, brown That's what I was getting. I had the, never the, had these woo! before. And Whoa. I can't remember what it was a few weeks ago. She made those, and I thought, holy cow, I'm never going back. Um, have her add a little cayenne pepper in there and uh, you are going in the right direction i smoked oh, something man. with some brown sugar a little cayenne pepper mixed in um man you'll talk about good they were delicious is that nice. just like a, a new thought all of a sudden people are like hey let's wrap these things in bacon like we both had it at the same time for the first time like how's that new but right that's i'm like i thought y'all been holding uh, out on me I'm really everybody's they're, been doing this. they're the most simple things ever i mean you just get the smokies you're literally wrapping in bacon uh i got I got two cups of brown sugar that I poured over the top of them and I mixed in one 
one teaspoon of cayenne pepper and we are golden smoked them i think it was 40 minutes flipped them 20 minutes done in an hour so yeah they were they were the bomb that's where it's at guys as far as sports go there was a tom brady commercial for hulu i think where at the end basically tom says don't worry i'm not going anywhere chris is tom saying he's not leaving new england or is tom saying he's not retiring i uh, i don't think he's gonna leave new england because Kraft literally will pay him a blank check whatever he wants to stay in new england the rest of his career i think it's important to craft that that happens uh so and i don't think tom wants to retire so i think he's saying i'm i'm coming back i'm playing football and inevitably Kraft's going to match whatever offer he gets elsewhere. Belichick, although he is the GM, uh, Kraft has vetoed him before about moving on from Brady. So I think he's coming back to New England. Yeah, it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty slick way to announce to the world in an incognito way. You know, you get your daggone halftime Super Bowl commercial there. That's the most Brady thing to do, really, if you think about it. True. One one thing about the commercials, did you guys hear about the John Legend, Chrissy Teigen commercial? It was a car commercial with John Legend and Chrissy Teigen where he was driving a car in the right, at this very luxurious house. Anybody nope. see that one? Okay, so in that commercial, apparently it's all about – the commercial is about luxury, um, and he ends up driving a car that you wouldn't think is luxury. But in the driveway of the car uh, – I'm sorry, in the driveway, there was supposed to be a helicopter in the original shoot. But since the thing happened with Kobe, they went back and edited that out of the commercial, apparently. Oh. Just a little fun, not fun fact. Way to, bring the, mood, way to bring the mood down, Cole. I know. I, well, thought, let's you bring the, I thought you knew. Sorry, I'm so woke. <laughs> let's bring the mood back up, guys. Let's, uh, let's finish this week out with a little chug, sip, or pour action. So just to give you a little inside baseball here, Chris and I like to allow our guests to pick the first chug, sip, or pour. Cole, what was the first chug sipper pour that you sent me and Chris over this morning? We need to open up a poll on the Facebook page <laughs> to see, because I thought like everybody knew about this. Back in seventh grade, they called our classes. Like there'd be like a couple grades at a time going to the cafeteria and the principal set us down and showed us that what we were changing from a cardboard milk box that you would sip out of the little triangle shaped space to go into pouches and it's just a clear pouch where you can see the milk moving around. You take yeah, a yellow- not even like a juice box pouch. Like what the picture you it sent us is looks like, like a, that's a what they were. Bag. Yeah. It's and a Ziploc bag that you stab a straw into the top of. That's exactly. It was like a very small Ziploc bag and what you would do and he would show, he showed us how to do it. You would squeeze the bag a little bit to make it tight, right? Cause you didn't want to have it flaccid. You had to squeeze it to make it tight. Everybody's had a Capri Sun. We know how that works. You would take the the yellow straw, and but then you just have to rip and jam it in there really quick while it's still tight, so it goes in and you don't spill the milk. But we would get in so much trouble. I, I keep going away from the microphone. I'm sorry. We would get in so much trouble um, because people would blow the bag up after they drink the milk and then push the straw through, which would just make tight air, and then you could just pop those things. But milk in a milk in a pouch. No, I. I, I, I told Cole, I've been to school in, I think, six different states, two different countries. Never have I been anywhere that had milk in a pouch. It's all been in a carton. So I don't know what sort this, of... Uh, this is a true story on our text thread this morning. Cole sent us milk in a pouch or something. And I said, Cole, what the hell are you talking about? And he was like, 
milk in a pouch. And I was just like, <laughs> no, he's like, no, he clarified. He said milk in a pouch with a yellow straw. Yellow straw. I was like, <laughs> like yep, I'm, I'm lost on this. What one. the hell like, are you talking about? <laughs> completely lost. Logan's over here liking every single thing I say. And Cole sent the picture and I'm like, yep, never seen that in my life. No, no. It looks like something we would drop out of a helicopter to third world countries when, <laughs> when we, when we don't care enough to get troops on the ground. That um, is elementary school in Craig County. Well, so Cole's, Cole's best idea that he came up with today, we're going to chug, sip, or pour everybody's favorite grapefruit soda. Cole, kick us off. Chug, sip, or pour the Fresca. That's the sound of me just finishing one off. Fresca, chug it. Just got reintroduced to it probably about six months, uh, about a year ago. Walked into Whitney's roommate's uh, house there and opened up her refrigerator, said I could have a water. I opened up the fridge and said, what is this? May I have a Fresca? And since then, every time I drop Whitney off after a date, she knows the deal. She goes in, she gets me a fresca, she brings it out to me, then we say goodnight. But not until I've had my fresca. It is delicious, it is refreshing, it is zero fat, zero calories, zero carbs, and only 35 milligrams of sodium, which is 2% of your daily value. How is this so delicious? So, question, if, if you put a little it. Tito's in there, would it would it be good? Oh, oh yeah. I, I think so. I think so, okay. buddy. Maybe Nashville, we can test that theory. I'm on a uh, sober um, January, February deal right now. Until How's that going to work out? I was not drinking anything. What? How's that going to work out in Nashville? That, that's what I'm saying. I'm going up to Nashville. Oh. Okay. We'll, we'll have a few. We'll talk about that in a minute, Chris, but I think we both know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I grew up on... Two, two beverages in my house that I was not allowed to drink, but they were like special occasion sodas. The Fresca was, um, mama, mama was a big fan of the Fresca. Daddy Ott was a big fan of the tab. If you guys remember tab back in the day, um, tab was like a dark soda that was supposed to be like Coke, but tasted different. Um, it, it, it was weird. It was like a mixture between like Coke and Dr. Pepper. Um, uh, but Fresca was something just, that's just what we drank. And then it wasn't until I started moving around, I realized like, oh, my family is the only family that stocks Fresca in the fridge. So I can't remember the last time I had one because growing up, I always thought we were weird for having it on there. But I got real tickled when when Cole wanted to bring back the Fresca. Um, so even though I haven't had one in a few years, I would chug me a Fresca because it is a soda, but also refreshing. Chris, what's your experience with Fresca? Uh, my experience is it was my dad's favorite beverage growing up. Um, he wasn't a big Coke person, but whenever we were going on trips, we'd stop at a gas station, get gas, go in and get some drinks. My dad would always come out with a Fresca. And when, when you're like an eight year old kid, you're like, Oh, I want whatever my dad's getting. So I would get a Fresca. And I remember I didn't like the taste that much. Uh, of course I was eight years old at the time. And, uh, but I would still always get it because my dad got it. I thought it was cool. Uh, I'll sip it for that reason. <laughs> it does bring back a memory about my dad, so I'll sip it, and I do look forward to trying it with some Tito's. So that's a that's gonna be a good call. I will bring a twelve pack. Funny story, maybe not even that funny, just coincidental. I just remembered when I was in um, elementary school, probably right after we had some milk in the pouch, they took us out to three eleven, the main road there. The Tour de Pont actually went right past our school, so we'd go out there to watch the cyclists, and sometimes they would throw water bottles and and hats. Even the hats they were wearing were soaked in sweat. And I actually got a Fresco bike hat back when I was in elementary school. 
I don't know why you thought that was funny. Not uh, funny, but I think that's why I'm I th- <laughs> I th- just coincidental and ironic. I think that's why I feel a connection to Fresca because I remember oh. thinking, wow, I got this hat from this world-class athlete. What is this Fresca on it? Just a thought. Guys, the Jags are going to play back-to-back home games in London next year. First time a, a team has ever played two games outside the country. Chris, you chug sipping or pouring the Jags playing two games in London. I'm going to uh, chug it because I think Jacksonville is one of the worst NFL cities out there. It's a, it's just a god awful city. Uh, I went there to watch Tennessee play in the uh, Gator Bowl, and outside of going to the beach, uh, downtown Jacksonville is there's nothing there. Uh, the stadium is way too big. Uh, they had tarps over half of it. It felt like. Um, Jacksonville doesn't deserve a team. I don't know why they even got one to start with. Uh, Florida, Florida, the state of Florida in general, they don't they don't support professional teams of any sport. So I don't think I necessarily am a fan of them going to London. Uh, the only way that would work would be basically four home games, four road games, four home games, four road games, split it like that, um, which kind of is what it is. But uh, as far as them getting out of Jacksonville, I'm chugging because Jacksonville definitely does not deserve a football team. Well, for the reasons Chris mentioned, I'm I'm sipping this. The Jags are actually that Jags actually make twice as much money for every game they play in London than they do playing a home game. Um, so if I'm the owner of the Jags, I'm trying to play as many games in London as I can. Um, he, he's but, also the owner of one of the. Uh, Premier League teams. Yeah, yeah. Shahid Khan. He owns the uh, Folsom um, FC in the English football team. Folsom League. River Blues. Folsom, yeah, he's he's the owner um, of that of the Jags and of the soccer team over there. Um, but I can't chug this because I don't want the NFL to put a team in London and have to have, even if they do what Chris says, play four home games there and then four four games in the States and four games – back in London, that's eight teams a year that have to fly to London. There's no way you're sending anybody west of the Mississippi to do that, that trip um, on a regular basis. So I, uh, I'm all for the Jags trying to make some money. Cause I do think they need to get out of Jacksonville. Um, but I'd much rather see a team in Mexico city as disastrous as that would be than I would be in London. So, so let me, let me sip the, them playing games, hoping it doesn't lead to anything any more than this. Cole, where are you at? Um, I'll chug it um, just on the fact of the, the owner, Colin, where he does own the soccer team over there um, in England. Um, I think it's a strategic business move, and I think that's something he he enjoys doing. I think, like you said, it does make a lot more money for them when they're over there. Um, and I, I think it's interesting. I, I don't like the fact, like you said, that so many teams have to travel over. I think that's kind of un, almost unfair to the players. But from what he's doing from a business perspective, I, I think it, I'd, I'd chug that and definitely respect it. He's also actually the lead investor for All Elite Wrestling, which is live right now on TNT from 8 to 10. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of. should have known that was coming. <laughs> speaking of, Cole, the XFL had a few commercials for the Super Bowl. They are supposedly ready to rock and roll. Cole, are you going to chug, sip, or pour the XFL succeeding? And I'm I'm excited to ask you this because you may be the only fan the XF the original XFL ever had. You've been stoked for this for I don't know how long. XFL succeeds, chug, sip, or pour. Well, get ready for, to have your heart broken. Um, I'm just going to sip it. Um, about five six hours ago, the XFL actually tweeted out, and I quote: 
Um, find out what's happening as we cruise into kickoff. And I just thought about that word cruise. Like they literally, there is no buzz about this league. Um, people weren't talking about it. You talked about how I was one of the only original fans of the original XFL, how I was excited for the new XFL. I was watching the Super Bowl this Sunday and I got a text from a buddy of mine I haven't seen in about two months. And he texted me and said, hey, man, want to get together this weekend and watch some of the XFL? Because he knew I was excited about it when they first announced it a couple years ago that it was coming back or a year and a half ago. I forgot it was even starting this weekend. No one's talking about it. I'm going to sip it and hope for the best. I, I think Vince McMahon, he's a smart businessman. He is very aggressive. But after seeing the 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 lack of the success the AFL had, um, I really don't see uh, the XFL making it past one season again. Chris, where are you at? Um, the last uh, football league that Cole was excited about was the AAF. And he pushed that hardcore, like, man, are y'all excited? We're we going to do fantasy AAF. Um, and it, it busted. It just. It was busted AF. <laughs> yeah, it, what Cole said. Um, I'm gonna pour it out. I, I think they're pay, paying their players like fifty thousand um, dollars, and to play professional football. I don't know how that financially makes sense for any player. Like, the one thing that is attractive about it, I did a little bit more reading, is twenty five second play. Like it's for a fan. It's a twenty five second play clock. They want the games to be under three hours, and for it to almost be like they're in a two minute drill almost all the time during gameplay. And it's only eight games. This, the season's over in April, so they're only playing for two months. So, I mean, the players are going to have other jobs. Um, I saw where, you know, they're allowed to sign with an NFL team after the season if, if anybody wants to sign. After the season, yeah. After the season's over, yeah. But, yeah, you're, you're right about the salaries. Um, I want to say quarterback. At one point, I saw where quarterbacks were actually making six figures and everybody else was making around 50. Yeah, that's the, that's the case. So, like, there's the, the quarterbacks, um, I, I want to say, are anywhere from, like, like 200,000 plus uh, is what they're getting paid, how they got them in there. But yeah, run the mill guys are making 50. Listen, the AFL was second tier players with very limited practice time, trying to play a speed up, a sped up game. Um, it didn't work. The XFL has got more money behind it. They have a TV contract behind it with Fox. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, this is major league stuff, but well, the TV contracts, yeah. it's something it's not a great one no but what i will say to that is where um smackdown just moved to fox on fridays um is that they, another wrestling show it is a wrestling show i don't i don't watch it to be honest with you guys i probably only consume maybe an hour of wrestling a week now i don't watch a ton of wrestling but only an hour how old are you again well, hey <laughs> <laughs> oh, whatever anywho I, i'm a fan um if, and if you look at the crowds chris it's everybody our age. Anywho, got me all hot. Well, that was when wrestling was good. So it's no, I'm talking sense. about now. I know. You turn on the TV right now. Like we AEW on TNT right now, eight to ten on Wednesday nights. Turn it on right now and see for yourself. But what I what I was getting at, you, I've lost my point because Chris distracted me. Well, oh, the Fox deal. So SmackDown. <laughs> I'm pretty sure like that was probably in the deal for them to be able to get SmackDown on Fox because Fox has been wanting that deal to happen for a long time. And now that it finally did, I think they're definitely committed to the XFL and trying to keep them on the airwaves. Yeah, I'm, I got to pour this out. The XFL will not succeed. I, I give them a longer run. They'll finish out the year, maybe even go two because they've got enough money behind it. Um, 
but any great players they have are going to go to the NFL. Um, and I think it's going to be a whole bunch of just mediocre guys. Um, I can't imagine this thing lasts very long. Speaking of not lasting very long, the Michigan State football coach, Mr. D'Antonio, decided to resign this past week. A mere 20 days after receiving a $4 million retention bonus for, with his contract, he resigned the day before signing day. Uh, also worth note that the signing class he was prepared to sign is atrocious for a Big Ten school. Um, he resigned the same day that uh, an, an article came out basically saying that uh, the guy has committed multiple NCAA infractions um the 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 college was going to have to investigate him um chris chuck zipper michigan state's football coach resigning after receiving a four million dollar retention bonus and by all accounts surprising everybody in the athletic department uh i don't know that it was a surprise to everybody um i did read something yes last night where uh he was essentially forced out um, I guess the sanctions are coming down pretty hard on them. Uh, also, there was um, everybody knows about the Larry Nasser situation at Michigan State. Um, he was, if you don't know, he was the trainer for the gymnastics U.S. gymnastics program. That he's in jail permanently, basically. Um, but Michigan State's always they, they've had a lot of stuff, like just shady stuff happen, like one thing after another. Izzo was mentioned. Uh, maybe last year, last season, I think it was. And Izzo stuff is kind of quieted down now. And I guess now it's D'Antonio's time. Um, as a football fan, I hated D'Antonio because he played just a terrible brand of football. Like he was playing to win 14 to 10. And as the Big Ten, uh, specifically Penn State, Ohio State, those offenses, you have to score with them. You can't just hope to win 14 10. You're not going to win games like that. So for Michigan State, it's probably for the best that they are moving on. I'm interested to see who they get. I, the one name I have to, heard thrown around would be uh, Sala, the defensive coordinator with the 49ers. He apparently has his uh, – Oh, uh, is that Salah? Salah. There you go. Yeah. He has Salah. his uh, graduate degree from Michigan State. Uh, he's from Michigan. Um, and he did get passed over this time as far as the NFL head coaching job. So – I think he would be a solid hire potentially, although you never know how college uh, NFL guys going to college works because recruiting, whole different animal. Uh, but yeah, I uh, I'm I'm happy that they're moving on. Um, props to D'Antonio for collecting that four million dollars and being a piece out. Uh, I'll chug that part of it because I mean at least he didn't screw himself out of four million free dollars. So chug it. Yeah, I mean there's a lot to chug if you're Mr. D'Antonio. Um, Sanctions come out. At least you didn't wait till after signing day and you signed all these players. You gave them at least a day's notice there. Um, and I think it was, as Chris pointed out, I think it was uh, Mr. Big Cat on on Twitter who said, hey, we got to give this guy props. He worked 20 days longer than he had to. Um, I think that may have been him and his wife making sure that check cleared before he, uh, he headed out the door there. Um, but listen, Michigan State, if he didn't walk away, they were going, I mean, they'd already been in talks. The recruiting classes were getting Mac level. They were getting awful. Um, play on the field was trending in the same direction. So his time was coming. I think this $4 million is his little golden parachute to farewell 
see you later. So I think this is best case scenario for everybody. Um, get a coach in there now, as long as it's not Mark Stoops. <laughs> get, get a coach in there now. Um, you know, I think this works out for everybody. So I'm, I'm going to chug this. Does um, Mark Stoops have any ties to Michigan State? Or is it just he's? No, he just has ties to Northern Ohio. Which is, that's as close as he gets. So him, and, he's a Youngstown I, guy. I think you're safe there. Cole, any thoughts? Yeah, just to keep it short, I would definitely chug it. The man did the job, winning his coach, got his money, felt the heat in the kitchen with all these allegations, and got out. I'm going to go be a family man. <laughs> yeah, just like Urban Meyer, big family man. <laughs> yeah, just like Bruce Pearl. <laughs> all right, Chris, we alluded to this earlier. Two and a half weeks, the Sports Nuts and Beer Guts crew are getting together for a our annual – uh, Nashville Predators weekend. We're gonna go watch the Preds. Probably get get whipped, but we'll spend the weekend in Nashville. Um, Chris, did Cole attend last year's Pred weekend? Um, no, he didn't. Yeah, but but Cole, I mean, the only way you wouldn't go is if you had a really good excuse, right? Absolutely, one hundred ten percent. Yeah, one hundred ten percent. Only way. What was your excuse last year, Cole? I had the flu. Mm. Allegedly. <laughs> I had the flu. He had the flu so bad his girlfriend had to take care of him all weekend. <laughs> Look, I'll go ahead and just jump right now and say you for a 100% fact can chug that I'll be sipping in Nashville even if it's pouring rain. How you doing? <laughs> That's pretty well done. Um I've learned there are few people in my life that until I physically see them there, I can't promise they're going to be there. Um, Cole, and you're saying I'm one of those. I am sipping you actually showing up to Preds Weekend. To be fair, I'm sipping Matthew Hickman is actually showing up to Preds Weekend at this if, point. If we're going to have brunch there, he's not coming. <laughs> Uh, so I'm sipping. Cole's got two and a half weeks to come down with some sort of uh, vagina illness. I've got to ask really quick. What other vagina illness did I have where I missed something before? <laughs> the, one, one Nashville weekend that didn't happen, and, and this is the label I have. What I else feel like there? there's more than just one. I, I, I do too, but I'm too old. I, we're getting old and I can't remember what they were. I can't remember either. I, I'm with Logan. I sip. Um if he shows up, I'll be oh, I'll be overjoyed. If he doesn't, I'll be disappointed. But I'm kind of like preparing myself mentally that he's not going to show up. So uh, until I get the text message that he has made it to Knoxville, <laughs> riding with one of y'all over, uh, yeah. Where am I supposed to be and when exactly? <laughs> I'm going to go with Knoxville sometime Friday. Yep. Friday afternoon in Knoxville. We'll get you the rest of the way. Then we're taking it to the Wooly Bully. We are taking it to the uh, limit. Rest in peace, Wooly Bully. It closed down two weeks ago. I, I might be a poor then. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wait, it just shut down? Yeah, two weeks ago. <laughs> well, speaking of poor, guys, we're not a political show. We don't, we don't talk or think politics. But the Iowa caucus... Um, was this past week and I'm 36 years old and just learned that in 2020 when the Iowans decide to caucus they get everybody in a room and everybody may have known this this was new to me but to caucus instead of actually voting like in a ballot box like we've always like I've always done you have to show up to a room everybody has to show up at the same time at six or seven o'clock whatever it is 
And then whoever candidate you're for, you go stand in a corner with everybody else who's for that candidate. And then if you, as long as everybody has at least 15%, it's all good. If there's a candidate with less than 15%, they go find another group of people to stand with. So in 2020, we are limiting ourselves to a bunch of people in small town Iowa standing in corners for their candidates. So Iowa decided they're going to expedite this process a little bit, and they decided to generate an app. Um, so they could just, hey, everybody's standing in a corner. This is how many people are in each corner. Bada bing, bada boom. Well, evidently, the app decided to malfunction. Several other things decided to malfunction. I think at one point, somebody was standing there with their yang out. And all of a sudden, the <laughs> oh. Iowa, caucus, Iowa caucus just went kaflooey. Chris Collette. Cole, do you have a question about the caucus? What Democratic Party are these people a part of that were at this Iowa caucus? I think the Democratic one. Just, just one, just wondering. <laughs> um, I mean, the whole point of Iowa caucusing first is it's a small state right in the middle of the United States. So supposedly people stay in the corner. You make a phone call. This is how many people we got that night. You have real numbers. People get momentum. It's quick. It's it's been what you know, almost a week now. We still don't know who won. It's been all two days. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Uh, Chris. Hey, Chris, he already covered this. If somebody's wrong, don't tell them they're wrong. Just smile and wave. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Cole. Chuck said for poor, I was caucusing. Poor. Um, it makes no sense whatsoever that Iowa is the first state to caucus. These presidential hopefuls uh, spend way too much money in the state of Iowa, just hoping that they can springboard their campaign. Um, and then this, this is true. So I, I put Iowa caucus on here because I personally think it's one of the dumbest things. The idea of a caucus in general is dumb. Just go vote and just, it is what it is. You know, immediately that way too. Um, it's 2020. I mean, everything should be electronic and functional. Uh, no clue why it's not, but uh, just the chaos that happened this year. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of funny, especially with the candidates that were like, had already made plans to head to New Hampshire, um, that night. And they're like, Oh, this is awkward. Nobody really knows any results. So it just, it was very awkward, but I would caucus in a general pour it out. I don't think a caucus is, is relevant in 2020. Cole. Yeah, definitely poured out. But I have to say it was tremendously entertaining to hear the people's speeches when they don't know if they've won or not, but they were literally <laughs> like, we really made a lot of steps forward tonight. We, one lady said, we punched well over our weight. What is she talking about? You don't even know what the results are. They don't know what they did. The, the best guy that I tipped my hat to was uh, Joe Biden. He was just like, well, we showed up and now we're getting out of here. Like pretty much <laughs> his thing. He didn't say it that clearly, but he got the words out. There's a congressman that nobody's probably even ever heard of. A guy named John Delaney, who has hired a staff that has been in Iowa since 2017. I saw him on one of the uh, one of the uh, whatever it's called debates. Yes, yeah. Presidential hopeful has had a team working in Iowa for three years, and did you know how many votes Mr. John Delaney received from all this caucusing? Um, zero. Zero. Dude has spent I don't know how many millions of dollars, and the dude could not get a single vote in Iowa. Finally, hung it up. Um. 
But this is the crazy, like, what are we doing here, people? It's 2020. There's got to be more efficient methods to, one, narrow the field, and two, ex- get people's thoughts out there than having to stand in a room letting people spend millions of dollars for three years when they have no chance of doing this stuff. Uh, so it's a, it's a three-way all around. We're pouring this out. Guys, we're going to end this on a high note. Cole's favorite fast food restaurant, Wendy's, is next month offering breakfast. You can now get a breakfast Baconator starting next month at most Wendy's. They've been one of the big holdouts in breakfast. Cole, chug, sip, or pour some Wendy's breakfast. As soon as I allow myself to have that type of food, that is the first place I'm going. They used to have it um, up north when I'd go up to uh, Pennsylvania, but we would always leave too early in the morning. Uh, it wouldn't be open yet, usually to head back. We'd always pass. I'm like, man, I would love to just know what it's like to have a Baconator for breakfast. <laughs> I thought we were going to say something else once but he's related right there. Nope, that's all I'm talking about. Oh, Baconator okay. biscuit. Um, and I, that day will come. Gonna, when, wait, when's it come? come? When is Next the Wendy's month? come? Next month. So yeah. it won't be, there. It won't be going on in Nashville. I don't think so. Yeah, well, I'm definitely going to chug a couple Baconator biscuits when the time comes. Chris, I'm going to uh, pour it out. Oh, when it comes to uh, fast food breakfast, it's either Hardee's or local gas station. There's it's one or the other. Hardee's local gas station breakfast. Um, that's it. I'm not McDonald's is absolutely worse. Burger King's just god awful. I hear Taco Bell has a good one, but it's not Hardee's, so I would refuse to try it. Oh. Um, who said so yeah, Taco Bell has a good breakfast? You shut your mouth when you're what talking to me, sir. Disgusting. Taco disgusting. Bell has by far the best breakfast of any place except for these random gas stations around Chris's house that are amazing. Um, I'm sipping Wendy's breakfast because so much fast food breakfast is awful. Uh, but guys, if you haven't Taco Bell breakfast is where it's at. Get you a breakfast crunch wrap Supreme. Oh my goodness. You're going to get these little, um, these little donut things that have cream cheese filling these little circle donuts with, um, it's not even Taco Bell. That's Cinnabon. They're Cinnabon donut things, the donut holes at the Taco Bell. It's where it's at. Listen, I took some flack last week for talking about how red Gatorade was much better than the yellow Gatorade. I am going down to the grave with this one. Taco Bell's the best fast food breakfast out there. That's disgusting. There, you don't really Chick Fil A. I like Chick Fil A, but I'm telling you're you, you're saying Taco Bell breakfast is better than Chick Fil A. What well, one? It doesn't cost nine dollars. <laughs> <laughs> for four Taco Bell breakfast chug sippers. <laughs> that's all I'm eating in Nashville I'm, I'm getting Taco Bell breakfast I'm ordering enough to eat it all day long I'm um, so mad at you Cole we appreciate you coming in on the fly here for us filling in for Mr. Matthew Hickman who could not stand the shame of his Sammy Watkins MVP pick big shoes to fill hope I did well Big shoes, little pants to fill, but you did well. Um, any closing remarks for the people out there? If you don't ask, the answer is always no. Oh, and if you drink, don't drive. Do the watermelon <laughs> crawl. And with that, this has been episode 26 of the Sports Nuts and Beer Guts podcast. <laughs>